Hey everyone, it's Hamish from the Young Investors Podcast. Myself and Brandon are excited to bring you your weekly rundown of the latest business and investing news from around the world. Now, a quick reminder before we get into the podcast is that nothing in this podcast should be taken on as personal financial advice. If you're ever unsure about your finances or investing, make sure you reach out to a qualified financial advisor. But with that said, let's get into another episode of the Young Investors Podcast. All right, everyone, welcome back. Hamish Hodder. I just, hello, hello, can hello. You, I don't know if you can see, I've nicked my nose. I've got a little gap in the top of my microphone pop filter. And it's mm. quite sharp. I just nicked my nose and now my eyes are watering so much. <laughs> <laughs> just before, I just yeah. shook, got myself. Oh, I really, geez. I need to find this piece. It must have broken in my bag on the way back from the States. But anyway, Did how it, are you doing, mate? I thought I, thought <laughs> I broke that when we were doing the, uh, when we did that photo shoot for the US. Wait, you know when I dropped... I dropped your microphone oh. off the table. Oh, <laughs> think, did you? I think that's when it broke, right? Or no? Oh, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I need to find like a little piece to fill in the middle of this pop filter because it does annoy. It gets my nose because I want to keep it close to my face. But anyway, yeah. how are you going, mate? I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm going well. <laughs> I um, I saw yeah. Oppenheimer on the weekend. It was actually, it was very good. Um, yeah. I was very impressed. Yeah. Go go and see it, everyone. How did, how'd you go with the, uh, with the length? The, it actually felt really fast. Um, did it? Yeah, it was the the story actually moved quite quickly, and it was kind of um, the story is. I mean, as you might expect, it's of his entire life, Oppenheimer's life. It's not just about the the atomic bomb building. Oh, okay. so um, there was actually quite a lot of stuff that they included in the in the movie, and it, yeah, it didn't it didn't feel long at all. Um, right. Yeah, it was good. I'm, right. I'm a sucker for movies with really good soundtracks that just like get, uh, get yeah. you really in the. Because like the whole movie is super tense, and you're it's yeah. it's trying to drive that emotion of the impact um, that they're having of of building this bomb um, before yeah. and after and everything, and it's uh, yeah the the soundtrack is incredible. Um, so, nice, yeah, it was good, fantastic. Oh yeah, I'll have to see it. Um, I'm, I'm tossing up, obviously, like the rest of the world between that and the Barbie movie. So yeah, well, um, I don't know. I don't know which one I'll see first. Yeah, well, well Barbie, I think is uh, I think it's the biggest box office uh, weekend of the year so far. Is um, it actually? Yeah, it was the. I was trying to remember some stats. I think it was like they did. I think they've already done two hundred and fifty mil. Uh, no, sorry, they've already done close to five hundred million in the global box office. Global. Um, wow, which is which is insane. I mean, that's you know that's that's massive. I think it's the uh, I think it's the highest grossing film directed by a woman ever in history. Um, wow. So yeah, it's it's crushing it. Um, nice. Yeah. So very yeah. cool. So it's been have you big... seen it? I haven't seen it. I haven't. I don't right. think it's my cup we'll of tea. We'll have to go. So <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll fly to Melbourne. We can go watch it together. Okay. Great. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm sick that weekend. No. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Anyway, well, I'm glad. I I think I'm going to go see Oppenheimer this weekend. Um, be interested. Uh, drop your m- movie reviews in the comments, guys. What did you think of it? Have you seen yeah. it? Which what's better, Barbie or Oppenheimer? <laughs> um, okay, what are we talking about today, Hamish? We've, oh, uh, that's right. We are talking more earnings, 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 earnings. So we've got uh, Google, we've got Meta. So we're talking mm. about the advertising giants today. We've also got some um, central bank stuff. We've got some interest rate decisions from the Fed. Actually, quite interesting because there's a bit of umming and ahhing as to what they're going to do this time around. So we'll talk about that, and of course. Elon Musk, the crazy, <laughs> the crazy guy. He has uh, completely rebranded. T- 
Twitter, so we'll, we'll talk about that as he, well. He just and, can't uh, stay out of the news. <laughs> he can't, man. He can't. He, can't. he loves, he loves it. it. He loves he the loves limelight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, why else would you buy Twitter? <laughs> now exactly he makes right. his own news. Yeah. Uh, uh, but with that yeah. said, today's episode is sponsored by Seeking Alpha, your one-stop shop for stock analysis, market data, and news. Uh, access expert analysis and news for thousands of stocks. View buy, hold, and sell ratings from members, Wall Street analysts, and Seeking Alpha's own algorithm. Screen for stocks using a variety of fundamental and technical analysis metrics. Access up to 10 years of financial data and company filings. And manage your portfolio by tracking your investment with price alerts so you never miss a buying opportunity again. Click the link in the episode description or head directly to seekingalpha.me forward slash young investors to try Seeking Alpha for free for 14 days. That's seekingalpha.me forward slash young investors. And as always, thanks to those who use uh, our, our links when signing up to these platforms and um, yeah. and are supporting uh, what we do here it is very much appreciated that's how we keep the uh the podcast rolling keep that's the lights on we, yeah <laughs> i mean pretty much that's it's all yeah. it comes down to sponsorship at the end because we don't really um um we don't really we've said this in the past we don't really push for monetization of the podcast very much no. um, we do it more as a passion project um we enjoy doing it keeps us up to date with all that's going on in the news um but there are still costs involved in producing it. So yeah, that's pretty much all the the revenue that we make through these these sponsorships just goes into um, into keeping the podcast running. So thank you, yeah, thank you to everybody that uses our links to sign up for stuff like that. It's uh, it, it does help out a lot. Yeah. All right, Hamish, where are we starting? You want to um, do um, central bank news, or do you want to do some earnings first up? First up. Uh, let, let's start with central bank news. I want to hear because I, I saw the headlines for this for. Uh, mm. what happened over in the US and I was a little surprised by some of the headlines that I saw but um, I haven't looked in yep. any of the details yet so I'm I'm curious to to hear yeah so the FOMC had their meeting so the Fed held their meeting um, there was a lot of speculation <clears throat> around this meeting in particular um, as to whether they were going to hike interest rates um, especially with the headline inflation rate cooling so rapidly, um, at least for the moment. Um, yeah. because there was also a little bit of arming and ahhing because I think the headline rate was down to 3%, so they aim for 2%, so it's mm. actually not that far away considering what we're at 9 a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> so it's come down a lot. We still had that core inflation, which excludes uh, food and energy, which was 4.8, I do believe. Mm. Yep. So that one was still a bit, oh, it's a bit high. Um, so there were people kind of arguing in the comments, as they do, as to whether they're um, whether they were going to leave rates as they are or whether they were going to hike them. The market was anticipating that they were going to hike, do a 0.25% interest rate hike. That was what was priced in. And um, they did in, indeed do a, another rate hike um, of yeah. 0.25%, which brings uh, the target range now to 525 to 5.5%. Yeah. Um, so was, they did it. Yeah, they did. I was actually, I, di- I didn't know that the market was kind of pricing that in, but, you know, the market mm. can, can do whatever it wants. But I was, I was genuinely surprised um, that they continued to, to hike. I mean, there's always been, there's so much public pressure, I think, to not hike in Australia and in the US at the moment. And the fact that inflation is coming down and they continue to hike is just surprising. Um, whether or not that's the correct move, I, I hopefully, the, the, I, you know, I trust Jerome Powell's probably got all the data available to him. But um, I'm actually surprised um, mm. that given, you know, public pressure, political pressure, um, and the fact that inflation numbers are coming down quite 
reasonably fast if you're looking at top line numbers and then you can look at the core. But yeah, it's um, mm. Jerome's definitely, you know, been able to act independently from public opinion, let's say, which is exactly what you want. So, yeah. It's interesting. I was watching just some um, some other content creators' opinions on, you know, mm. whether interest rates are going to be hiked and so so many people being like it is i tell you one thing they won't do there is no way they're going to hike interest rates especially <laughs> considering inflation is basically gone inflation <laughs> is gone now i was like ay ay this is going this yeah. is really going to bite you it just shows you just don't don't listen to people that are making macro predictions just don't just don't no, do it uh, no. what happens happens <laughs> that's yep. the way to approach it it's yep. like uh it's like a book and you're just turning over the next page and whatever's on the page, you just have to read it. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty um, much. Okay, what else? CNBC said, in a move that financial markets had completely priced in, the Central Bank's Federal Open Market Committee raised its funds rate by a quarter percentage point, yep, to the target range of 525 to 5.5%. The midpoint of that target range would be the highest level for the benchmark rate since early 2001. Wow. The hike received unanimous approval from voting committee members. Uh, during a news conference, Chairman Jerome Powell said inflation has moderated somewhat since the middle of last year, but hitting the Fed's 2% target, quote, has a long way to go. Still, he seemed to leave room to potentially hold rates steady at the Fed's next meeting in September. Quote, I would say it's certainly possible that we'll raise funds again at the September meeting if the data warranted, said Powell. Quote, I... I would also, and I would also say it's possible that we would choose to hold steady, and we're going to be making careful assessments, as I said, meeting by meeting. Uh, along with the rate hike, the committee indicated it will continue to cut the bond holdings on its balance sheet, which peaked at nine trillion dollars before the Fed began its quantitative tightening efforts. The balance sheet is now at eight point three two trillion as the Fed has allowed up to ninety five billion a month in maturing bond proceeds to roll off. Mm. There you go. Yeah, that's the other aspect that people, I think, need to be aware of is beyond just the raising of the official federal funds rate, the Fed is also likely to continue accelerating the sale of bonds, which is mm. adding more supply of bonds into the market, which raises the interest rate of US Treasuries. So that's another element yeah. is they can stop raising the federal funds rate, but you could continue to see like the, the two-year treasury bond rate or the 10-year treasury bond rate continue to rise just because there's a there's, it's been flooded with supply um, mm. and there's no kind of demand on the other side to meet that, especially if the US government is continuing to supply the market with a lot of bonds because they need to re continue to issue more debt. Um, so that's kind mm. of the other aspect that will take a little bit longer to play out. Um, yeah. But it, it's an important component in the when we're talking about interest rate hikes. Yes, we're just talking about the official federal funds rate, but in the market of interest rates, um, what the Fed does with their balance sheet is also really, really important. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They can sell them or they can simply let old bonds that they hold um, reach maturity and then decide to delete that money mm. instead of taking it and reinvesting it in more government bonds, yep. which is what they typically do. Um, but that, yeah, they can stop doing that and they have been. Um yeah, that's pretty much all I had to say. Um, yeah, the main point I wanted to make was that when it comes to macroeconomics, you don't know what's going to happen, so don't try and predict it. Just go with the flow and stick to individual businesses because, um, yeah, as as you can tell, who who knows what was going to happen? This could have been this rate hike could have been 
0.25%. They could have left it. Who knows? Yeah, and the same can be said for the data we got out of uh, the uh, the out of Australia. Um, we, we got inflation data for uh, the second quarter of uh, of twenty twenty three. So um, unlike the US, well, we we do now do monthly uh, inflation mm-hmm. data, but the main um, the the main output of data is this kind of big lump that comes every quarter. Uh, and we got the second quarter data for that. Uh, CPI rose just 0.8% during the second quarter. Uh, uh, on, on, and on a year-on-year basis, it was 6%. So the annual rate is still um, quite high. Um, mm. But the quarterly rate is, is very low. I mean, if you kind of extrapolate that last three months, the 0.8%, the, you, know, you extrapolate that for a year, you'd be at 3.2%, which is pretty yep. um, low um, inflation. But again, um, you've kind of got this situation of headline inflation and core inflation telling a different story. And it's, it's very similar now to the US. You've, it's, right. it's the same story we've had for a while, which is fuel is, is kind of pulling down the, the headline number while core inflation is um, a little bit stickier. <laughs> Uh, right. Economists were expecting anywhere from 0.9% uh, to 1.1%. Uh, so it actually came in uh, lower than, than kind of all of the uh, major expectations. Okay. Uh, in terms of, uh, which means absolutely nothing. <laughs> Thanks, economists. Um, yeah. The biggest, <laughs> the biggest contributors uh, were rent, which was up 2.5% during the quarter, which is a pretty massive increase in, in, uh, in, in rental costs and kind of reflects uh, 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 landlords now kind of pushing through rent increases um, from the, the price, from the, the uh, interest increases that they've already seen uh, on those properties kind of earlier uh, in the year. Uh, yep. Travel and accommodation was uh, plus uh, 6.2% during the quarter, which is massive. Uh, financial services was plus 2.5% and new dwellings was plus 1%. Uh, the uh, was this a quote out of the uh, out of the ABS was uh, high demand for international travel, particularly to Europe, uh, with the start of the European travel peak season led to price increases. These were partially offset by price falls for travel to Southeast Asia and New Zealand as prices uh, dipped following uh, increases during the Christmas and school holiday period in December and January. So basically. Uh, all those people, to Europe. All, all those people I'm seeing on my Instagram in Europe, it's it's your fault. I blame you for inflation. <laughs> it's I knew, so true. I knew there was a reason I hated seeing there uh, all these yeah. pictures of the Eiffel Tower, <laughs> and it's because Making, you're causing inflation. <laughs> Making my life harder. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. It's so true, though. Australians at about this time, we're off. See yeah. you guys. Yeah. <laughs> what inflation? See you in a month. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, everybody, enjoy your Europe trips. I hope they're great. <laughs> yeah. I hope Where so. would you go in Europe if you had a <sighs> Europe trip? I don't know. I, I, haven't, I haven't really been anywhere in Europe. I've only been to... Uh, I went to London and I went to Ireland. Um, nice. I think, think that's all I've been in like the UK or, or Europe. So I haven't been yeah. to France or Italy or Croatia. There's a yeah. bunch of places that I would love to see. Um, yeah. We'll have to, maybe we, we need, we need a Berkshire event, but in Europe, we need a, we need in a, Europe. we need to find something of a similar <laughs> reason for us to go. I'll get to, I'll get Guy on the phone. He's over in That's, Zurich. Yeah. He's in Switzerland. So that would be I'll, great. I'll hit him up. Yeah. Yeah. What, oh, I tell you what, maybe we could sneak into his value X conference. Mm. Tax deductible. Yep. Trip to Switzerland. Mm. <laughs> That'd be nice. 
Yeah, that yeah. Would well, I mean, my my family history is from the Netherlands um, with my last name, but um, oh, I've never been. I've never been there. I'd quite like to go though. So maybe we we'll have to we'll have to plan something. Yeah, we'll plan something. We'll, um, <laughs> yeah, find some find some reason to go over there. We um, need Matt Peterson to get back to us. We want to go to Turkey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that would be great as well. Yeah, that would be that'd, cool. That would be pretty cool. Um, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, is that all we had to uh, ha- all we but, had to talk about for the Australian? Yeah, that, that's horror. that's it. Um, it seems like Australia, you know, related to the the Fed stuff we just spoke about. It seems like Australia is going to take more of the uh, approach of pausing on the rate hikes now that inflation is kind of coming down. So I guess potentially we'll get to see a bit of a contrast between two strategies, which have been pretty much the same up until this point. Both the US and Australia have been just hiking rates to, to get inflation under control. And now we're maybe seeing the US be a bit more stern um, on, on rate hikes, continuing to push them. Whereas Australia seems like they're going to maybe potentially pause. Um, mm. Some hope, well, I don't really know, but maybe we'll see a bit of a, a distinction between the two strategies and which one is um, end, ends up working. Because we don't really know. Mm. I mean, potentially, you know, you pause and inflation skyrockets again or potentially pausing is the right move. And if you continue to hike, you're going to just push the country into a recession. No one really knows. So yep. it's, you know, it, it's a difficult, um, it's a difficult mm-hmm. line to walk. Yeah, for sure. All righty, Hamish. What would you like to talk about next? Uh, let's do let's do some earnings. So we've got um yeah we've got the two big uh, advertising giants who um, mm. fortunately report uh, one day apart from each other, so we can kind of lump yeah. them together every quarter and <laughs> and talk yeah. about them together. So um yeah, we'll, we'll go through what we normally do. We'll we'll take one each. Um, I think you've got mm-hmm. Google. You, you take us through Google first, and then right. um, we'll compare and contrast to Meta platforms. Okay. All right, Google. Um, so yes, they reported their second quarter earnings. The shares rose about seven percent off the back of their earnings um, after the company reported better than expected revenue and profit, driven by growth in its cloud computing unit, wow. um, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, for the fourth straight quarter, Google's parent company uh, reported growth in the single digits as it reckons with a pullback in digital ad spending that reflects concerns about the economy. Analysts don't expect growth to hit double digits again until the fourth quarter. Um, so I, I, I just chucked that one in because I didn't realize that they've actually, for the fourth straight quarter, they've only seen single-digit growth. I mean, Google mm. we was so, like years ago, was so used to, what what's growth this quarter? What, 20, 30% year <laughs> yeah, over year? Yeah. Yeah, I um, mean, especially, especially through, you know, 2020, through the pandemic and, um, all businesses all of a sudden had to figure out how to do online advertising. And I just remember some of the numbers that the, these businesses were pulling during during the COVID lockdowns was just insane. Um, mm. So, yeah, it is, is a stark difference to see them have, you know, quite a reasonable slowdown for the first time in a long time. Yeah. So, for Google, revenue rose 7% year over year to $71.6 billion for the quarter, um, a 9% increase on constant currency basis. Um, yeah, as I said, fourth straight quarter of single-digit revenue growth. Um, in terms of operating income, rose from $19.5 billion to $21.8 billion. <clears throat> representing a 29% operating margin versus a 28% operating margin a year ago. So their operating margin has held steady with the stats that they're showing. Um, net income grew from $16 billion to $18.4 billion. So of that, 
74.6 billion of total revenue they're keeping 18.4 billion of it as uh, net income uh, into, but of course when we look at Google we, we like to break down their their individual revenue segments because there are a few different parts to their business and um, and watching how each segment's revenue contrasts with its operating income can give us a good indication of what's really working for Google um, or Alphabet, I should say, versus what's not working as well. Um, so, of course, the biggest revenue segment, Search, so that grew 4.7% uh, year over year for the quarter. Uh, YouTube ad revenue grew 4.4%. Google mm. Network fell 5%. Then Google Other grew 24%, but smaller revenue segments, 6.5 billion to 8.1 billion. Um, and then we also saw Google Cloud grew 28%, and that's what all the headlines were about. Google, Google Cloud grew 28% from 6.3 billion to 8 billion. So again, wow. it's another still a smaller revenue segment. <clears throat> but it's obviously one that analysts are predicting will be a large, you know, thing for Google in the future. Mm. But then we we take that and we we look at how that then converts into operating income to see whether the individual business segments are uh, profitable. And of course, Google Services, um, which is Search, YouTube, Google Network, and other, grew from twenty one point six billion of operating income to uh, 23.5 billion year over year. So it's up 8.5%. So modest growth in the operating income of, of the Google core business. Um, but importantly, Google Cloud went from uh, a $590 million loss to a $395 million gain year over year. So mm. um, Cloud was, I believe, profitable last quarter, but it's good to see again that this segment it, it does look like it's now, even though it's very small and obviously the business is still carried by Google, <laughs> mm. it's good to see that the cloud segment is at least turning a small profit. It's not, it's not dragging them backwards anymore, which is cool. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because cloud's such a young business for Google that it's quite hard to... Uh, you know, uh, assess it based on what it looks like now because um, they've obviously, uh, a big thing that they've been doing recently is spending an enormous amount of money building their infrastructure and building their staff around uh, that business. So they had costs that were uh, potentially um, uh, much higher to support future revenue so that they wouldn't yeah. handicap their, their future revenue growth. So it's interesting to see that now, yeah, they've kind of seemingly passed that inflection point of, of profitability where the revenue has um, kind of is, is growing faster than their costs. Um, so, yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly right. So, uh, so that was really what all the, the fuss was about for this quarter. I mean, it was really their core business just saw quite modest results. And then um, the smaller part of their business, this Google cloud grew, you know, at a handsome clip and everyone was excited about that. Um, now I do want to, because we're talking about the advertising giants, um, we should talk about their, you know, cost per click, how many impressions they're getting, that that sort of metrics, as well, those sort of metrics as well. Mm. Um, so for Google, and I believe you've got this data as well, we, we'll talk about this for Meta as well in a little bit. Um, so for Google, paid clicks rose 8% for the quarter. Um, and they noted that that was from an increase in search queries resulting from growth in user adoption and usage on mobile devices, 
growth in advertiser spending and ongoing product and policy changes. So interesting, paid clicks rose 8% for the quarter. However, the cost per click um, fell 3%, which they say is driven by a number of interrelated factors, including changes in device mix, geographic mix, advertiser spending, ongoing product and policy <laughs> changes, and property mix. Hamish, <laughs> what, do you, what do you take out of that? How many, how many factors can you list so you could hide uh, what the actual uh, cause was? I mean... It, it's good that they give so much clarity on like the different factors that go into these numbers because they are very complex, but it is mm. really hard just just on those um, just on that description to know which is contributing more because um, exactly. some of those things are, uh, are good things for the business and and relatively normal business cycle things like growth in advertiser spend and that sort of thing, and then other uh, others are. Um, maybe less more i don't know uh maybe more of a yeah. concern um yeah and we don't know what percentage any of these are contributing to their to, to these numbers mm. so i don't know yep <laughs> the question that we're really that we'd like to have answered thoroughly is um you know what what how what's the impact of advertiser spending is advertiser spending or what is advertiser spending is it up is it down cuz that that drives a large part of Google's business. Yeah. Um, it's assumed that advertiser spending is, is is obviously down at the moment, but yeah, you're right. They kind of chuck it in there, but they don't really. They're not really explicitly saying. The one thing I did note is that on their conference call, which I'll get to in a little bit, um, one of the one of the people that was speaking did say that they have noted in the quarter that there was a stabilized advertiser spend. Okay. So stabilized that. <laughs> gives me reason to believe that previously it was falling and now yeah. it seems to have evened out. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's the funny thing. I don't think they've ever explicitly in previous quarterly results said that they did see a fall in, in ad spend. Uh, maybe, maybe they did. Maybe I'm wrong. But it is interesting to mm. say them, hear them say, yeah, it's stabilized because that does heavily imply that it was yeah. falling. Uh, otherwise, yeah. why would you why would you say stabilized? Um, but mm. the, this quarter, the, the the in terms of their segments, so they saw a decline in Google network and a rise in YouTube advertising. And that was the same as last quarter. And uh, it seems like the reason for that is because uh, YouTube advertising is largely driven by big brand contracts, uh, which seem to have not dipped as much, whereas the Google network is is um, a much broader uh, base of smaller businesses um, running advertising right. on, on, on Google network properties. So... Um, that was right. at least their description from from last quarter. So it seems like the same thing is kind of happening. Like different businesses are choosing to do different things with advertising. The big businesses, the Coca Colas, the Apples, they're not cutting back. But um, that kind of the the main part of the economy is kind of you know small medium businesses is looking to cut advertising as kind of an easy way to cut expenses given the uh, inflation mm. situation. Yeah, definitely. Um, a little bit more data. So actually. In terms of impressions, they saw no change in impressions and right. cost per impression fell uh, 5%, which you would, uh, you would probably expect. Yeah. Um, out of their conference call, 
Uh, I don't take too much out of the Google conference calls. I, I should say I'm only about uh, halfway through it. I haven't gotten through the whole thing yet. Uh, Sundar was just basically saying that they're looking a lot at uh, innovating search. So they're working hard um, on integrating generative AI in search. Um, they're using it to optimize ads um, as well as, what did I write? As well as well as considering a lot of Google's, oh yeah, yeah. They're using it to optimize ads uh, because a lot of uh, Google searches are commercial in nature. That's what I was trying to say, everybody. <laughs> um, they just note they're focusing on improving BARD, which is kind of their version of, of ChatGPT. Mm. Um, they're reining in expense growth. They're trying to tighten the belt, as a lot of other companies are. Uh, a part of that is reallocating talent to high-priority activities. So as you know, when you're flush with cash, you can kind of just, or when times are good, you can do a little bit over here. Do Everybody can work on everything. We can all work on everything at the same time. Now they're kind of focusing their efforts, focusing on their high-priority areas, uh, a lot of that which is uh, AI, generative AI. Yeah. Um, Google Cloud seeing continual growth. Uh, more than 70% of generative AI unicorns, uh, unicorn being a privately held startup with a value over $1 billion, use Google Cloud. So right. that's quite that's quite a good stat. S- more than 70% of generative AI unicorns. But you can tell Sundar is just absolutely on the AI hype train on, <laughs> yeah. this, uh, on this conference call. Uh, they know including Jasper, Typeface, and Cohere. Um, so that's, you know, that was this spiel on AI, 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 machine learning, yeah, it's, it's AI, the, the buzzword of 2023. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he also noted a little bit on YouTube. So YouTube shorts are now watched by over 2 billion logged in users every month. That was up from 1.5 billion a year ago. Wow. Um, the, the other guy also noted, I can't remember his name, sorry, also noted stabilized advertiser spend. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, the living room remained the fastest growing screen in terms of watch time. Mm. And I was thinking about this. I was like, that's interesting. More people. But I was like, if it's if they're just looking at it in terms of watch time, is that because typically watch time would be a lot higher on a home TV? Like, I feel like if I'm watching YouTube on my phone, there's a million other things to do on my phone, which could be taking my attention away from the YouTube video. Mm. Whereas if I put it on the TV at home, like yeah. I'm not getting messenger notifications. I'm not getting emails on my TV, that kind of thing. So I wonder yeah, if that's it, like... It does bring an interesting dynamic because as people do... Obviously, people still spend most of their time on YouTube on their phone. But as they spend maybe more of their television time on YouTube as well, uh, potentially that means you'll have content that's longer form and short form both working just in different mediums. Like yeah. uh, if you do a video that's longer form... Um, you know, in a distant future where everyone is watching YouTube on, on, on TV instead of watching television, uh, you've essentially got, you know, the algorithm feeding those videos to people watching on television, but maybe not feeding them as much um, on, on mobile. Uh, so it's interesting to see that, but it, ma- it makes sense. I watch a lot of YouTube on, on TV. Um, yeah, me too. It's probably the main... No, it's, nah, it probably doesn't beat my laptop, my computer, but it, it would... It's definitely... It's um, up there. It's definitely up there. It takes a lot of my time mm. now, so yeah. Right. Yeah, interesting. Um, I, yeah, I think I probably watch... Nowadays, I watch most YouTube on my on, on the TV. Mm. Yeah, it would be a close close battle between you're right, my laptop and, and the TV. Um, okay, what else do we have? 
reach they're now reaching over 150 million um, people on connected TV screens in the US 150 million connected TV screens in the US that's pretty cool uh, they also noted there's over 80 million YouTube music slash YouTube premium subscribers wow which is cool that's actually yeah. that's an that's an impressive stat. Um, it's quite a stat, isn't it? Because yeah, I mean, uh, my immediate brain kind of connects that to or compares that to Netflix, which has I think a bit over 200, 200 million. But eighty million is is very considerable, and it shows that yeah, mm. a lot of people um, <laughs> are very much willing to pay for YouTube like it's Netflix, like it's a it's a subscription yep. with with no ads basically. So that's really interesting. Hmm. Did I tell you my little uh, YouTube premium hack? Last time, I think I've told this to you, but for everyone out there yeah. that's a sucker for Spotify Premium, you can get YouTube Music, which is exactly the same as Spotify Premium. You can pay for it, and then you also get YouTube Premium for free, and it's the same price. There you go. So you can enjoy YouTube with no ads, and you can also get a Spotify Premium equivalent. So there's a little there's a little hack for you. Yeah, Maybe consider it. I actually made the switch. I'm I'm never going back. <laughs> it's so much better, man. Yeah, Maybe that's me because I I just watch a lot of YouTube. But I imagine a lot of people listening to this probably watch a lot of YouTube if they know us. So. Yeah, I'll have to have yeah. to have a look at YouTube Music. I haven't looked. I, I I'm a sucker for Spotify. I love their user interface. So you, Do you? I think I think it'd be quite hard to get me to to leave Spotify. But they did just raise their prices. So. Um, oh, there you yeah. go. Man, so, it might be might be uh, worth having a look. Anyway, what else have I got to um, say? Not a lot. Um, the only update on the Pixel front, Android 14 incorporates improvements in generative, generative AI. Wow, buzzwords. Um, <laughs> Ruth Porat becomes president and chief investment officer instead of CFO. <gasps> this is happening uh, uh, soon, not not immediately. And they're looking for another CFO at the moment, but she is still going to stay in the, in the company. And the last thing I have for you, which is just a, a really interesting stat, which they didn't discuss more. I wish they told us more flavor on this, but they have 15 products that each serve 500 million people and six that serve over 2 billion each. Right. So I guess these are things like Google Maps, for example. Must be. Probably. I'm trying to think. Yeah. What, what would like, be there? What, what are the six that are over 2 billion? So YouTube. Well, like, do they, do they like Google search? Yeah. So Google YouTube. search, YouTube, like Gmail, Probably Gmail, maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if that would hit the oh, two billion. billion. It's Gmail would definitely be over Google 500 Maps. million. Google Maps is probably one of them. Maybe Google News would they count that? Yeah, I don't know. Do they count uh, Play Store or Android? Play Store probably. Yeah, yeah. Oh, tr- yeah, true. Android. Yeah, I guess Android. Android would definitely be in there if they're counting that. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. What are the apps? My brain's kind of like um, like Google Drive. Would they have two Google drive two yeah. billion though? Yeah, I don't know. I, sure. I honestly don't know. Let's have a look. Where's my phone? Who knows? What other Google apps have I got on my homepage that everyone else? Um, Google Calendar, I don't think so. Gmail, I think yes. Gmail, Google Maps, Gmail Maps, YouTube, Google Search. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What I don't know what the other ones might be. Yeah, it's interesting. But, um, Why would they not say? What like it's uh, yeah I don't know I, I think like it was like a comment in passing just like hey shareholders look at this <laughs> yeah that seems by the like way a... we're the best <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it makes yeah. sense no that is pretty anyway. crazy though um 
Yeah, yeah. pretty pretty impressive. Insane. I don't. Anyway, that's yeah. that's Google. Sorry, yeah, you, you no, had no, something no. to say. No, 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 that's fine. Okay, yeah. I was just saying that's Google. Let's um let's move right along into yes. a close competitor to Google, which of course is Meta. Hamish, what is going on over at Meta? Yeah, so um similar similar story, some some slight differences to to what we just spoke about with Google, but uh. Uh, revenue for Meta came in at $32 billion for the quarter, up 11% uh, year over year. So, uh, And it's actually their first double-digit growth um, quarter since the fourth quarter of 2021. So again, similar oh, to uh, Google, they've um, kind of been in this single-digit growth kind of um, period. Uh, but uh, unlike Google, they're actually back at double digits and uh, they were at 12% on a constant currency basis as well. <laughs> Uh, within that 32 billion in revenue, uh, advertiser revenue was 31.5 billion. So, um, pretty much all of it was <laughs> actually it was a little bit more than 31.5 billion was advertiser revenue, and uh, Reality Labs, which is their uh, their uh, AR VR business, uh, had 276 million uh, in uh, in revenue for the quarter. <laughs> so uh, it shows you yeah. it shows you what type of business Meta really is, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. At least for now, advertising revenue thirty one point five billion. Mm. <laughs> Reality Labs, which is their only other major revenue segment, two hundred and seventy six million in revenue. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's gonna it's gonna take a while, I think, before we see that, yeah, uh, yeah. if ever, rival um, rival the advertising revenue. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so 11% growth in revenue. Uh, costs and expenses uh, came in at $22.6 billion, which was up 10% uh, year over year. So costs were, uh, grew a little bit slower than revenue, which uh, uh, essentially led to their net income uh, coming in at $7.8 billion, up 16% uh, okay. year over year. So um, again, it kind of speaks to... Um, this kind of operating leverage uh, idea, which is, you know, if you're able to grow revenue at, a, at a, even a smaller percentage faster than, than costs, then your, your net income or your profit will, will growth will be um, very considerable. So um, their profit growth has been very good. I thought this was funny. Within their $22.6 billion in costs, $1.9 billion, so about 10%, was legal expenses. So there's their um there's their legal legal expense tax of <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is uh, oh that's funny kind of crazy almost almost ten percent of revenue not quite ten percent um wow went to uh to to legal expenses they're they're, they're non reoccurring non reoccurring Brandon yeah okay? no, they're so not like, it's just a, yep just a one off <laughs> so I thought that was quite funny uh. In terms of their users, uh, which is always fun to take a look at, uh, the family of daily active uh, people, which is uh, the daily active users across all of their apps, uh, came in at 3.07 billion, which was up 7% year over year. Uh, the monthly active users on their family of apps was 3.88 billion, um, up 6% year over year, closing in, the, in on the 4 billion mark, which is just crazy. Mm. Uh Facebook daily active users came in at uh, 2.06 billion, which is up 5%. And uh, Facebook monthly active users was 3.03 billion, uh, up uh, 3%, which is still kind of crazy that you still have, you know, yeah. I, I think that includes both Facebook and Messenger. So that kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, 3 billion users still on their on their Facebook app, which is um, uh, an app that I think, you know, a lot of people might say is kind of dying or die or, or, or is dead or something like that. Mm. A lot of people would say that, but yeah, it's still, still got 3 billion users. So yep. it's, uh, yeah, yeah, not quite dead yet. <laughs> 
Mm. Yeah, it's very interesting. And that's the thing. I, I always think I don't really use Facebook that much anymore, but I still probably do check it quite often. Use it a, lot. a lot of people use it for just marketplace now, which I find interesting. Yeah. I think that the... I don't know. Um, I, I thought that they were really going to push hard into the video segment, but I, I find... I don't know if you find this as well. No matter what device I'm using, their video player, their inbuilt video player is rubbish. It's terrible. Do you find that? Yeah, it's it's terrible. Okay, it's not just me. Yeah, and they, they did make a bit of a push because they had the whole... Uh, they, they they were pushing into streaming to compete against Twitch. They signed a bunch of this is a few years ago though now, but they signed a bunch of people mm. to sign to, to stream exclusively on Facebook. On Facebook gaming was kind of the segment that they called. And then right. um yeah, it just had no success and they, they wound it back. But yeah, I think and a big part of that was just the, the user experience is just woeful. Um mm. and it, it is kind of crazy. Um you would think from a complete novice, you would think, oh, that doesn't seem like it would be that hard for them to make a good video yeah. platform. They got billions of dollars to throw at it. They could, you make it great. But it seems mm. like YouTube is is so far ahead in terms of user but, interface. Yeah. It, it's mind blowing how much, I mean, it's not perfect. There's still a lot of issues with it, but compared to any other platform, you go on Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, any of mm. these platforms, it's just, it blows them out of the water um yeah no youtube definitely has by far the most robust video player yeah by far yeah it's not even close yeah yeah Um, yeah for sure um but yeah crazy crazy stats um going back to what you're talking about absolutely crazy stats on the active users yeah it just blows my mind that they keep adding you know (laughs) that they add anything (laughs) at all you know seven percent six percent five percent three percent it's just it's it's quite it's quite remarkable really yeah, it's um I, I can't remember the exact stats, but they're getting pretty close to the total number of people on the planet with access to the internet. Um yeah. in, in countries where Facebook isn't banned. I mean, rem- yeah. what, so what what's the global population? A bit over seven billion, I think. Yeah. And then you've I got a billion so. in China which are banned, and so mm. you're down to six, and then there's you know, I think thirty percent of the world doesn't have internet or something like that. So, you know, they're very close to mm. just all the people with internet. And then I guess you've got to count consider duplicate accounts, bot accounts, which is yeah. probably a quite a reasonable percentage. I I I wouldn't be surprised if if, you know, a, a meaty like five or even more percent of, of some of these users is is not actual individual people. Mm. Maybe even yeah. more than that. Um so we, we never really know. But yeah, it is crazy that they continue to add. Mm. Uh, yeah, crazy. In terms of ad impressions and price per ad, which is interesting because we do have that. We just listened to that data from um, Google. Uh, what did what, what was Google's? Just before we read this out, I think it was impressions were flat. Was it? And then yep, impressions were flat. And sorry, I'm just trying to go back to that. Yeah, Im- no change in impressions, and their cost per impression fell five percent. Okay, interesting. So for Facebook or for Meta platforms. Ad impressions were up by 34% year over year. So right. a massive increase in impressions. Wow. Uh, and the price per ad uh, was down 16%. So you, you're seeing mm. a very different story compared to Google, which Google is no increase in impressions, but price per ad is going down a little bit. Whereas Meta is huge increase in impressions and the cost of each ad is going down. So what's the difference between these two platforms? Um they didn't explicitly say this, but it, 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 I think it's fairly obvious that this reflects a continued shift of engagement towards short form, which Meta is kind of experiencing much more sharply than than, than Google as, as a picture of their whole business. Um, so people are spending more of their time. People who use Meta's 
apps are spending more time on reels. So they're seeing more ads, they're getting more impressions, but those ads are less valuable because they're watching them mm. for less time. There's less real estate, that sort of thing. So less conversion, uh, yeah, yeah, less effective, that 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 sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it is interesting to see that the two situations because of course Google is exposed to I'm I'm sure some shift towards their short form on on YouTube, um, but as a percentage of their overall business, it doesn't seem to be, you know, as much of a an impact as 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 Meta. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I guess the only other thing it could be is um, how they deal because these ad platforms deal in an auction system, right? Yep. So it could just it could simply be, you know, Meta are more comfortable with um, in- increasing the number of ads shown, and because it's an auction system, there's more real estate available for the same number. Therefore, the price is going to fall more. Whereas maybe Google are less comfortable with adopting that strategy, but I think yeah, n- number one, you're right, is 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 the shift to short form. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And I think as as Google kind of listed in some of their numbers, there's just there's so many factors. <laughs> I mean, that we're, yeah. we're talking about maybe we're speculating on some of the main drivers, maybe. But you know, there was policy changes, advertiser spend. There's maybe twenty or thirty factors that probably go into this these figures. Yep. So yeah, we, we, of course you can't pin down. Um, you know, exactly what's what's causing it. Uh, Zuckerberg's mm. statement on the earnings was, we had a good quarter. Uh, he said, uh, nice. <laughs> we continue to see strong engagement across our apps and we have the most exciting roadmap I've seen in a while with uh, Llama 2 threads, reels, new AI products in the pipeline and the launch of Quest 3 this fall. So Zuckerberg's, mm. um, Zuckerberg's happy. Um, well, I'll talk about threads when we talk about um, Twitter. Okay. In yep. the Twitter story. Um, okay. Because, yeah, there's, there's definitely some interesting developments on, on that front. Um, and then, yeah, and the, the, last bit of, the last bit of earnings was just on Reality Labs. Um, so it was 280-something, what was it, 200 uh, where is it? 276 million, million in revenue. In revenue. Um, but they had a $3.7 billion loss in the quarter, so... Um, you know, spend <laughs> spend four billion, generate three hundred million <laughs> in revenue kind of situation. Um, and three point three point seven billion is enormous because I think uh, I think the previous projections were they were going to spend about ten billion a year. Um, so three point seven billion in a quarter that's that's running way above ten billion a, uh, a year. Yeah. Um, yep. So it'd be interesting to see how they're at, at the end of the financial year where that sits because at the moment they're tracking to, yeah. to be in the 15 billion um yep just on reality labs ballpark which is um That's which insane. is astronomical uh in terms of uh what was the, the the company's statement was uh unit losses will continue uh to increase meaningfully year over year due to our ongoing product development efforts in augmented reality virtual reality and investments to further scale our ecosystem so mm. Um, nice. Yeah. There you go. It's <laughs> a lot of dough being spent. Yeah. Yep. It's uh. Yeah. It's pretty mind blowing. Um. I, I took a quick quick peek at uh, their income because I had imagined that uh, their income is their, their profits have probably come down considerably from previous quarters given the Reality Lab spending. Um. And mm. some of their biggest quarters of, uh, back in 2021 were around 10 and 11 billion, and they did 8 billion this qu- this quarter in net income. So. Um, right. Not actually that much. Well, it kind of shows their their core advertising business has actually continued to grow reasonably. Um, but of course, um, yeah, they're spending 
yeah, about mm. fifteen billion a year on on VR. How it goes. So yeah, how it goes. Light it on fire, boys. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, very interesting. All right. that's uh, And that's pretty much, they are the two advertising giants. Very interesting. Yep. Um, oh, my gosh. We've got to talk about Twitter, don't we? We've got to talk about Elon. Mr. What's he doing? Oh, Musk. Just, he just hey, needs Mish. to just stop for a moment. You know, like he needs, he needs, to, to, he needs breaks from press because yeah. I think he just, yeah, as I said in the beginning, he just loves to be in the media, so... Um, he needs to go on a holiday without his phone. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Someone needs to like, <laughs> oh, dear. yeah, he needs to go into like the forest in like a wood cabin and someone just like ties him yep. to the thing. No, pr- <laughs> no more press. No more changing anything. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Elon, wait here for a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but, all right. Um, t- talk us through, Hamish. Yeah. Talk so Twitter through. has officially changed the company's famous bird logo to an X. Uh, on Monday as a part of a sweeping rebrand that he announced uh, on the social media site over the weekend. Uh, mm. The domain uh, x.com has, is also now redirecting uh, to Twitter. Uh, and the transition from Twitter to X reflects Musk's vision uh, to turn the platform into what has been called the everything app. Um, so this kind of reflects a, a larger change that, uh, that Musk is kind of going through with the platform. And if x.com sounds familiar, it's actually the original name for PayPal, um, so it was kind of what right. the, the PayPal name, PayPal was previously called, called before Musk actually changed it to PayPal. Um, and then recently he rebought the domain from PayPal, um, oh, interesting. To, to, to build his, uh, his, his everything app. So, uh, Twitter CEO, <laughs> Linda Lacarino wrote in a post on Sunday that X will be centered in audio, video messaging and payments, banking, payments and banking. Uh, she added that the platform will also be powered by... Artificial intelligence. So machine learning. Machine, machine learning. Generative Arr. AI. Generative, Generative AI. <laughs> wonder what the buzzword wow. of 2024 is going to be. Um, do you reckon it's still oh, gosh, Do you reckon yeah. it's still AI or do you reckon it's moved into something? Yeah, I don't know. Probably quite a bit in AI. Yeah, I guess AI I is going to be say. buzzword for the next couple of years probably. Mm, probably. Yeah, I don't know if there's going to be another buzzword. It's gone from Bitcoin to meme stocks mm. to AI. Yeah. What what will be next? I don't know. Who knows? I wonder if we'll see a potentially we'll see a bit of a bubble with a lot of younger company AI companies, you know, potentially somewhat of an internet bubble because it is it does seem to have that similar level of hype. And I would imagine mm. that maybe not yet, but over the next couple of years we'll see the birth of a lot of AI companies. Mm. Um, and trying to get capital on on, on markets, so yeah, maybe yeah. Maybe, we'll, maybe we'll see a bit of that. I don't know. I want to see Michael Burry tweeting about that. That's what I want to see. You want to see? Yeah, I know. He's um, yeah, he's still silent. Is he? Is his account yeah. back? He deleted his account again. I don't know. But um, haven't heard from him in a while. Yeah, I know. I want to. I want to hear his opinion on it. Yeah, I tweeted at him <laughs> a while ago. I said, "Come back." <laughs> did you? Yeah, I did. I said, "We need you." <laughs> He didn't listen. He didn't. He didn't listen. No. Didn't anyway, listen. so yes. So long story short, Twitter has changed its name to X. Yeah. The crazy thing, <clears throat> the crazy thing is that this was done so haphazardly. It's like, what did he tweet? He said, "Hey, if somebody sends me a good X logo, we'll, we'll change it tonight." That has to be a troll. There's, there's no I don't way. Know. That has to be a troll. I. There's no way he just changed the logo. 
after just tweeting, can someone send me a logo design? <laughs> but also it wouldn't be know. completely off-brand for, for Musk to do like something the next day. The next day it was done. Except it, this is the thing. Companies spend so much time and so much money on rebrands, and you can understand why. Because if you go to Twitter, I'm on it right now. It's it's still like the logo is an X, but you're still tweeting, you're still searching Twitter. You know, it's still it's still Twitter. Like the only it, thing that's changed is the logo. Yeah, it just seems out of place at the moment. It, it does. It's like yeah. it's kind of like when like a YouTube channel gets hacked and like it's changed to some Bitcoin thing, and it just like you just like oh this is out of place. Like it just doesn't look doesn't look like the, it's an official change. It, it seems weird. Mm. I don't know. It is weird. Yeah. Yeah. It seems very strange. Uh, Musk, I, don't, uh, I don't quite get it, but all right. Yeah. Good on you, Elon. Musk said, uh, he tweeted a lot of things, but this is one of them. He said, uh, Twitter, the Twitter name made sense when it was just 140 character messages going back and forth, like birds tweeting. Uh, but now you can post almost anything, including several hours of video. Uh, in the months to come, we will add comprehensive communications and the ability to conduct your entire financial world. The Twitter name does not make sense mm. in that context. Uh, so we will bid uh, goodbye to the bird. So there you go. I don't, what does that even mean? Your entire financial world? Yeah, I don't know. I I do not know. Hmm. Strange. He must have. He's. I'm so sure I, I, he's got big big plans brewing, but. Yeah, I, I think I um, think he I think he probably said I think honestly this is probably a change because Elon has said okay we are still like he's been making all these changes to try and get away from the need for advertising revenue, yeah. um, doing the subscriptions, doing that. So I th- I think this is him probably sitting down and brainstorming how how do we change this app to be more self sufficient in terms of the revenue that we generate mm-hmm. so that we're not. Because he's see, like he's seen it already. He took charge and he said, "Ah, oh, free speech and blah blah blah." And then a lot of advertisers were like, "You know what? Bye, F you man, <laughs> bye." And then he's like, yeah. "Oh my gosh, there is actually a lot of advertiser control over Twitter." So I think his strategy now is like, "Okay, we've we've got to we've got to change this. We've got to do something with this to make it less reliant on ads." And yep. he did. He took a step in that direction with the blue check mark costing however much a month it is. Um, but I think he's probably now just being like, okay, what, how can we, what else can we do? Ah, <clears throat> finances. <laughs> There's a lot of money yeah. in people's finances. Yeah. Let's try and do that. I mean, well, he's already done it with PayPal once over. So he's probably being like, all right. Yeah. And he's previously said um, how much he thinks WeChat that's used in China is such a good idea, which WeChat is basically the everything app. For China, everything. It's, it's it's messaging, it's it's payments, it's video, it's it's everything. Um, it's everything. So yeah. it seems like that's potentially what he means by your entire financial world. And I, I saw another tweet. I can't remember exactly when it was from, but he was talking about how uh, potentially you could use the messaging kind of infrastructure that Twitter already has to send payments. He was kind of arguing that payments, sending payments between people, is is pretty much the same. So it seems like um, he'll probably try and implement something like that relatively quickly where you can do easy payment transactions between people yeah. as easily as, as sending a message to somebody. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I guess you'll, um, Crazy. I guess you'll see, see how it goes. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what he does over the next year or two with Twitter, just to see where, where, it, you know, the Twitter of today, where, what does it look like? In Even two years? The, yeah. The Twitter of, 
18 months ago. I don't know, I yeah. don't know when he made the acquisition, but the, ch- the, the, the changes that have happened have been so rapid. Uh, mm, yeah. Who knows what it looks yeah. like. Yeah, it's interesting. But it is interesting because uh, this also comes after, of course, Meta, uh, which we just spoke about, entered uh, the, uh, the, the micro... What is it? Microblogging? Is that what people mm. call it? The microblogging space with threads to compete against Twitter. And so far... Twitter is winning that battle, um, and there's some new data to suggest that it's uh, pretty uh, pretty stark. So, a new report from Sensor Tower, which is a data research firm, kind of tracking user data and that sort of thing, uh, they showed that the daily active users on Threads had dropped from 45 million, uh, which was the kind of soon after launch, they hit 45 million <laughs> daily active users, to just 13 million last week, which is a 70% drop. Uh, since its peak. And at the same time, uh, and, and that's kind of at the same time as Twitter's um, users have remained pretty steady at around 200 million mm. daily active users. So there's pretty much been no dip in Twitter's usage, in Twitter's daily active users, um, whereas, whereas Threads has kind of seen this big um, uh, start and then it's trailed off. And even more yep. interestingly, uh, to me at least, than just looking at the daily users is how much time people are spending on these apps on average. Uh, so not only does kind of Twitter dominate on users, in terms of t- average time per day, it's uh, Twitter is 30 minutes per day compared to threads of just four minutes per day. So not only wow. does Twitter have an enormous amount more daily active users, even after all of the hype that threads had on launch, uh, people are spending far more of their time also uh, on 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 uh, Twitter, which speaks, uh, I think, in big part to the massive brand and network effect that that Twitter um, has. So there mm. you go. Yep, I thought this might happen. Hmm. Yeah, we we disagreed on this. So um, yeah, it was interesting. I thought um, I was quite impressed by the amount of momentum that Threads was able to build very early. I don't think I've ever seen an app you know, launch that quickly with that much momentum. Yeah. So I was very curious to see. And I thought, yeah, I thought maybe they'd have a good shot at, um, at at building on that momentum and just drawing a lot of users away from Twitter. But certainly hasn't happened so far. So, mm. um, you know, I thought um, what, what I thought it reminded me of when they launched Threads, it reminded me of IGTV. Mm, you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. They launched and all the YouTubers made one IGTV. <laughs> I think I and have they, exactly one video on there. <laughs> me too. I have one. Yeah. Be, because everyone was like, oh, this 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 could be a rival to YouTube. Yeah. So everybody jumped on and was like, hey, I'm on IGTV as well, so come and follow me. And then sure enough, good luck competing with YouTube. Didn't work. Yeah. Didn't work. Very yeah. tough to overcome that that network effect. Because yep. I think uh, I kind of spoke about this in my video. It's It's kind of... Threads really needed to just maintain an enormous amount of momentum because they were a smaller platform. So mm. um, by the nature of, of uh, network economic businesses, it was a worse platform because there's less activity on it. Yeah. So where are people going to spend their time? They're going to spend their time on the better platform, the bigger ones. So to overcome that, you need a lot of momentum. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, they, it, it ran out of steam, it seems like, at least so far. Yeah. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. 
All right, Hamish, that is uh, almost all the time we have for today. Let's fit in uh, quickly one or two Q&A questions. We are right on the hour mark, so let's jump straight in. As a, um, as a reminder, of course, if you wanted to ask a question for Q&A, just head over to the most recent version of the podcast on YouTube, drop us a comment, and we'll add it in. Um, or you can add a question to the Spotify subscription, uh, the Spotify question box when you are listening on Spotify. Yeah. All right, Hamish. Um, where should we start? Uh, do this one. Do this one. This is sure, a, I'll this ask is a you. I'll ask me. you this one. Um, does the Warren Buffett investing strategy work with people that don't have thousands of dollars? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, I mean, the the simple answer is yes. I think it does. I think you know Buffett's whole idea is that. When you, even if you're buying a small piece of a business, you're thinking of it as if you're buying the whole business. So, you know, whether you're buying, you know, 5% of the business as Buffett might of, of a company or even the whole business or, or whether you're buying a couple of shares with, with what you have, I think the strategy in terms of evaluating the business, I think remains pretty much the same. I mean, maybe there's some considerations if you have a, a very small amount of money in terms of um, the the brokerage cost impacts and... and um, you know what, what's that going to look like? If you're only investing a couple of thousand dollars or a thousand dollars, then you probably want to be quite careful about um, that your brokerage costs. But in terms of assessing and evaluating the business, nothing really changes um, whether you have yeah. five hundred dollars, fifty thousand dollars, or a million dollars. The only thing that really changes is like the the opportunities that are available to you. The more money you have, the less opportunities there mm. really is. Yeah, that's that's the important point I was going to raise is that Warren Buffett can't really make that ma- if if he had a couple thousand dollars, he would be he would be loving, he would be here there everywhere, he'd be doing so much stuff, but just cuz of his size he can't really do that much. But yeah, actually um the Warren Buffett approach I would argue works better the the less money you have. There are more opportunities available out there to you. Um yeah, yeah but um 100% yeah, no, I, de- yeah, I definitely think it. I think it works in in all conditions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very good. All right. Um, do we want to do one more? I think maybe maybe one more. Yeah. Which uh, where should we go here? All right. Uh, why is Mister Munger so upset with his investment in Alibaba? Since they always speak against timing the market as opposed to staying in the market for a long time, I guess timing the market does count after <laughs> all. Um, yeah, I find that this is an interesting question. Um, Charlie has definitely said that he got some parts of the Alibaba investment wrong. Um, I, I think I would, um, challenge the sentiment a little bit though, because I don't, I don't think he's upset with his investment in Alibaba. And the reason I I say that is because he still holds it. Um, (laughs) I think if he was really genuinely upset with the management or how, how the company was run, he, he quite simply would have sold it and, and, and moved on, but he still holds um, uh, quite a large uh, chunk of Alibaba shares. Um, what else was I going to say? Yeah, but he has been vocal about how he, he thought that he he just he got his valuation wrong. That's that's what he's come out and said. Yeah. Um, so he thinks the I, I the way I would summarize it is he definitely thinks the business is robust and a very important one in China, a very strong company. Um, it is, as he's been saying in the media, it's still a goddamn online retailer and it's going to cop the same um, kind of economics and market conditions and market effects, um, economic effects that, that are going on. 
um, with, you know, just general macroeconomic environment kind of stuff. Um, But yeah, I think if he really had a problem with the business, he wouldn't still be holding it because he's not that type of investor. Um, if if the fundamentals change, he would he would cut it, and move on. Yeah. Uh, but I think he had it. If he had his time again, he would have re- really critically reevaluated what the valuation was because he's admitted that he just bought it at way too high a price. Yeah, I don't think he was um, upset that the stock fell after he bought it, which would be kind of an argument for um, timing the market or caring about the timing of the market. I think after it fell, he reevaluated it. Uh, and then believe that he got the valuation wrong. So it wasn't that it fell or that his the timing of his purchase was wrong. It was that he shouldn't have made the purchase at that price. I think at least that seems like what he said. So yeah, um, yeah. there's an important kind yeah. of distinction there. Yeah, very cool. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I, I don't believe timing the market is uh, is something that we we should talk about at all. Yeah, no. I think it's no, it's just not not worth the time or energy. Yeah, I would argue that no one can do it. Yep, hundred percent. All right. Well, uh, with All that right. said, thanks everyone for tuning in. As always, uh, yeah. Thanks. If you have guys. any have any questions for future episodes? Feel free to leave your questions either on Spotify. Uh, you can just kind of scroll up and, and ask your questions uh, in Spotify, or uh, head over to the YouTube version of the podcast and leave your questions as comments on the latest episode. Uh, thanks to Seeking Alpha for sponsoring. Uh, SeekingAlpha.me forward slash Young Investors to try Seeking Alpha free for fourteen days. And thanks, Brandon, for joining me, as always. All good, friend. That was good. Good fun. Yep, that was good. And uh, yeah, with that said, have a good rest of your weekend, everyone. And we'll see you guys next week. See you guys. See you later. See you later.